Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! We are here. I am Greg Tito, and this is Shelly Mazzanoble. Blah. Hello. Blah. I know. I like having the accent at the end there. That, that is how a lot of people pronounce my last name, Mazzanoble. Mazzanoble? It could be. That could be how it was originally meant. This is... Mazzanoble. Mazza. Yeah, well, oh, that makes sense, right? Like a mozzarella. Yes. <laughs> you got to use the fingers just like that. A linguine. I was thinking of Kevin Klein from A Fish Called Wanda who just would do outrageous Italian accents saying words. Linguini. <laughs> Uh, I quit that with doing your fingers like that reminds yeah. me of Quinn because he likes to do like mm, the chef's kiss now when he likes the food that I make him, which is usually craft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and he is like, oh, mommy, this mac and cheese. Mwah, chef's kiss. Mamma mia. Mm, delicious. Oh, well, oh. We're here are two Italians to talk about Dungeons and Dragons on the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Dungeons and Dragons. That's we- really how you speak Italian. You just have to do that accent that actually sounds like the Count from Sesame Street. My kid actually asked that the other day. He's like, "Oh, do you, or, you know, do you, is, do you have to say everything like that? Is that the way Italians talk?" And I was like, "I mean, <laughs> kind of, but not in such a heightened way." Yeah, we have a friend who's Italian and has lived in the States for like 20 years, but his accent is still as strong as ever. And he, we always say he sounds like somebody making fun of an Italian accent. Like that's what his <laughs> accent is. Like, and he's like, yes, yeah, so I know. Because like, everything he says is like, how are you doing uh, today, uh, Shelley? Like, and like, you are joking. Like, come on. But right. that's... That's just his inflection. That's just how they talk, right? How did he never like, lost that accent? Never. That is funny. I wonder if it's gotten more, you know, progressively more strong over the years. Like he's like more determined than ever to just, yeah. I'm going to hold on to this. this I will not heritage. sound like you Americans. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happening. It is, it is very lovely. He can, you know, say anything and make it sound much more romantic and interesting than... The rest of us. Like, what's the weather going to be this weekend? It is a uh, sunny, maybe a little cloudy. Partly like- cloudy. Oh. <laughs> Just like you. And you're like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Wait, I'm partly cloudy? I am partly cloudy. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. man. Well, I think people should use all of this talk about accents in their games when they're talking about uh, people who come from different areas uh, in Dungeons and Dragons. Throw a little Italian accent in there. Why not? Why not? Exactly. Yes, uh, we get to talk to two people who basically said, why not? Uh, they wanted to put together a D&D <laughs> company because they'd been playing together for a long, long time and loved the tactile fun that you could get at the table with props as well as all the uh, Dungeon Master's aids. Of course, we're talking about Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium mm-hmm. Warehouse We've heard the story of that company from Matthew Lillard, one of the founders, uh, a couple of times, but it was really cool to talk to Paul Shapiro and Charlie Rahor about their perspective on such goings-on. Yes. And I I do love that origin story of just a group of friends, adventuring party, and now uh, co-business owners. And it's it's working. And they all have day jobs. This is not their day job. I know. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's it's great 
another testament to how Dungeons and Dragons can bind people and relationships uh, together and have them be really long lasting. Um, you know, we've we've heard that tons of times, but it's very rare also to have that then transition into let's start a company together and have all these outside factors like oh investment and customers and websites <laughs> and marketing and yes. actual products sourcing and manufacturing yeah all that stuff is a lot of stressors on relationships but they still hang out weekly playing D&D together how cool is that well i'm going to go out on a limb and say that is why they are successful in their business and cuz you you know going into business with friends isn't always the right idea but if they're your D&D party yeah. You're already very well-versed in collaborating and listening to each other's ideas and letting other people take on different roles and being analytical and strategic and just working really well together. So That's there right. you go. That's you what Dungeons & Dragons can do for you is improve your business acumen with friends. I think it also helps that um, Charlie's an engineer. That does help, right? So they're not, <laughs> they're not all actors. <laughs> Yeah. You got somebody who can, you know, narrow in on those pesky other less creative details, although he exactly. is very creative himself. Yeah. Uh, and it's so great having the different facets of the D&D community come together in their boxes and in their products. And that's kind of what we're doing for the D&D celebration event that's coming up this month. Can't believe it. It's September Celebrate! already. I know. Um, but D&D Celebration is September 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th. Online, you'll be able to play all types of Dungeons & Dragons games, including many that are focused on the Feywild. Yeah. Because of the Wild Beyond the Witchlight coming out on the 21st, uh, right before. So while you're gearing up and getting excited for that, you should start thinking about uh, buying tickets to play in some of the games during D&D Celebration. Absolutely, including the Epic on Saturday, yeah. which is was so much fun for us. Uh, last year, we got to play that in fun. that, and it was chaos and just... Uh, it, it, an epic is a truly unique and... Um, it's just a, a unique way of playing Dungeons and Dragons because you're a, yeah. all of everybody playing and how their actions kind of affect the whole outcome of, of uh, what's happening in the adventure. So really fun there. That's about the Witchlight Carnival. But there's lots of, of different ways that you can play. All virtual, all weekend. Virtual gaming last year was so popular, we brought it back for an extra day this year. So it actually does start on that Thursday. Um, so if you want to gather up your party, go do that before uh, to make sure that you guys can all be at the same table and on whichever platform that you want to play on. There's Discord, there's Zoom, there's Google Hangouts, um, there's just... Dungeon Masters are standing by, ready to whisk you off through adventure. So even if you don't have a gaming group, you can still just find a seat and go you know, meet a new party and have an epic time. And if you don't even know how to play D&D, there's learn-to-play tables that are available as well. So there's something for everyone. And you never know who might show up at your table. Maybe it's Greg Tito. Who knows? It could be. It could be Shelley Mazanoble. I don't know her per se, but <laughs> I guess she could be there too. Or maybe Junkie Two Shoes will show up at your table. Oh, that would be delightful. Amazing. Uh, there's also tons of panels and things going on uh, that we will be giving more information on 
to learn all about what's coming up for Dungeons and Dragons. You know, we've got a lot of books coming out, a lot of great designers who have been contributing lots of work to it, as well as community members who are talking about uh, bringing people into the game you were mentioning. Uh, yeah. That's going to yep. be an exciting panel. Um, what What do you do during uh, Session Zero, which is a very important part of, of your D&D party's whole, uh, you know, experience what do you do during a d this is a demystifying session zero which i think is going to be a really cool panel um something uh that was really popular last year was the dungeon masters roundtable which uh brandy camel was the uh the moderator for so we're bringing that back with a whole table filled with some of your most favorite dungeon masters and some of their giving out some of their best advice um i think the topic for that one's going to be immersion which is a wonderful skill for all dungeon masters yeah which is right up the alley of uh what beetle and grims is trying to provide with their box everything ties in everything and of course uh we'll have our friends from the DD studio back to again like you said walk you through some of the much more finer details of our upcoming products like um, Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons and Strixhaven yeah. Curriculum of Chaos. Mm. Also, um, a, a panel up just a, in general about what D&D's future might hold and get some some cool insights from Ray Winnegar and Liz Shu and uh, Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins. So Prognostication, right? Pre- I mean, predict what's happening into the future. I love it. That's definitely I, a panel to watch. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say so many jokes right now, but I'm, I don't want to make you nervous about uh, potentially spoiling anything. Stop! So I'm not going to. Stop. So I will just say beep, 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 Gregory. beep, Gregory, Gregory, <laughs> you've given too much away. People Confirmed. can definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and so it starts all over again. It's true. Read that back and play it backwards and uh, uh, there might be some instructions. And slow it down. Sure. I don't know what he said. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. Uh, So yeah, sign up for D&D Celebration. There's also some some swag that you might be able to get, right? Oh yeah, get some cool D&D Celebration t-shirts, a commemorative Witchlight Carnival ticket. Um, I forgot what else. Oh, I mean, it, it, there's too much to list here. I'll just say that it is a, I it just is a totally pretty blinked. sweet haul. It was so much that it, it just made my mind, it made me go speechless. So, yeah. uh, but we you tried can go to, to get some cotton candy uh, in there, but unfortunately, uh, you know. I ate it all. <laughs> <laughs> I love while cotton were, candy. Well, you were already sick on Nerds Clusters. Uh, oh. You had some cotton candy. We just finished a bag of Nerds Clusters the other day. It's been so cool seeing those pictures pop up in the wild. I don't know if uh, anybody here follows uh, the Sixler, uh, who you may know as uh, Spencer Crittenden, who is the dungeon master for uh, a certain Dan Harmon uh, and Harmon Quest and Harmon Town. He found it in the wild without ever knowing that it existed and was extremely uh, excited about it. So, yeah, follow that on the uh, DNDX Nerds. Hashtag, uh, you can find pictures of people talking about that as well as now downloading adventures through that promotion. If you upload a proof of purchase, you'll be able to download uh, one of six adventures, do all that, and then you get a seventh adventure with the nerds leveled up to level three. 
Um, and I can't wait. We talked about Kat, that with Cat Kruger uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I just love the idea of these first level starter adventures that you can play one-on-one with uh, perhaps your little ones. Yes. Um, if you, I'm searching the D&D X nerds hashtag on Twitter and it's just really fun to see because like like Spencer some people maybe didn't know this promotion was coming and they just went to the store to just go buy some nerds and guess what your favorite game is right there on the cover and when the nerds in their little D&D costumes I mean Mm. they're so stinking cute they're just the best adventuring party I want to go on an adventure with them I do too um, so I'm going to start downloading that stuff right now. I think I threw away my packaging, though, so now I need to do my proof of purchases in there and make sure everyone knows. Um, exciting stuff all around, and I can't wait to see everybody through D&D Celebration. Um, and I want to now turn it to a segment with Brandy Campbell, who put together a lot of the panels and is moderating uh, a whole bunch as D&D Community Manager. I got to roll up a random character with her. So let's take a listen and see what's going on with that before we get to our interview with Beetle and Grimms. Okay. Welcome to another segment of Random Character Generator. I am Greg Tito, and I get to roll up some fun, interesting characters with Brandy Camel. Hi, Brandy. Hey, Greg. How are you today? Very excited. Uh, this is the fun segment where we press the bouton on D&D Beyond for a third-level character randomly generated. We get all of our stats, all of our decisions made for us, and then... We try to come up with a good storyline, well, quote-unquote good, (laughs) workable storyline for this character that you can use uh, for inspiration or uh, perhaps as an NPC or player character, if you're crazy, uh, in your D&D campaign. So let's get going with our third-level character. What do you think, Randy? I think we should do it. All right. Ah, we've got Bolin, one word name mm-hmm. changeling sorcerer all right all right oh man these are these are some fun stats to play with <laughs> they really are wow so we got a 15 strength 15 dexterity good so far yep constitution and- five <laughs> wow Negative three modifier on that. Uh, Not very smart. Negative one intelligence modifier with a nine. uh, Average wisdom with a ten. And uh, thank the the gods for at least a pretty high charisma uh, with a 17. The the charisma's there. The charisma is bringing bringing the the power here with with Bolin. Yeah. Uh, And so Changeling is... uh, for those of you who don't know, a um, wh- wh- what book did that come from? Now I'm blanking. Oh gosh, is that er, is that a Xanathar's thing? It's it's been around a while, hasn't it? It has. I'll I'll look that up while you continue okay. to look for more fun stuff. But yeah, yeah, I think uh, this is real interesting, right? Especially the I I always get really fascinated by characters who have an extremely high um, 
strength, but a really low con because it's one of the things that you kind of struggle with the wrapping your mind around. Right. Often those two stats usually are are high or at least, you know, relatively in tandem. And, it, you know, for me, when, when I come across a character that's like this and I'm trying to suss it out, I feel like the, the easiest reasoning for a low constitution is that um, low stamina kind of character, right? It's mm. somebody who can do two or three power lifts, <laughs> but doesn't run a marathon. Right. Right. Uh, I always think of Raistlin from the Dragonlance series of novels because okay. they were, you know, very typically a, a very high intelligence wizard, could do everything, but ha- had a very low constitution score, maybe even a four if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. um, and was always coughing and, and uh, unhealthy. Uh, and that was like the big weakness. Like they were the most powerful wizard in the world, but they, uh, you know, a, a cough could lay them out. Yeah, I mean, I, like, there's also just kind of the the entertaining notion here of someone who, you know, maybe just struggles with asthma, but is absolutely ripped otherwise. I, you know, <laughs> right. So the high strength—that's what makes it very that, strange. That's too. the thing yeah. that makes it really strange is a high strength and high dex. So like physically, they have this this prime body that can do a lot of physical activity, but probably just not for very long. <laughs> Right. And I like that as the interpretation of, of these stats for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so changelings are from Eberron, rising from the last okay. war, um, and are able to uh, change up their appearance at will, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, changelings um, are, are really interesting. Um, just the whole shape changer idea of stuff. And honestly, maybe you could feed that into these sort of unusual stats, right? Is that that's they've sculpted their body as such to be this impressive, strong, dexterous body, but it takes a lot out of them to do it. <laughs> oh, actually, I kind of like that, right? Like that's so yeah. much of their energy, uh, physical and or otherwise, is wrapped up in changing their form. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really kind of cool idea. Um, <laughs> the thing that gets me right now is that they're a third level character <laughs> with eight with hit points. Eight hit points. <laughs> Which is a lower than breeze. most first level characters. Yeah. <laughs> Beware the stiff breezes. Uh, yeah, Bowen. having a negative three modifier on each that's level. Brutal. Means that they, yeah, that's that's rough. Oosh. All right. So uh, looking at some of their skills, they, they're skilled in athletics. <laughs> this is really just feeding into my narrative, by the way. I'm like, I've, I've already got a story coming. Wait, wait till we nice. get to it. Uh, trained in deception, deception, which is good for the high ca- charisma. So they have a plus five modifier there. They can intimidate mm-hmm. um, and persuade people very well. Uh, as well, they know how to survive in the wilderness. I could play into this as well. Okay. Uh, because they're a sorcerer uh, and they are the... Um, See what their bloodline is. I think I saw that somewhere. They were the uh, dragon... Um, uh, lineage feature. Yeah. Yeah, Draconic Bloodline Dr- is Draconic their sorcerer's bloodline, origin. Yep. All right, so in Silver Dragon is Ooh. their ancestor. That's interesting to think about. All right. All right, so like the, the goodly dragon. Right, yeah. Uh, and they're an outlander. Okay. Uh, as their background, so that means they mm-hmm. are not from 
wherever they currently reside, right? So I can I definitely see them as being an outsider, uh, and because of their survival uh, training, they're okay with being able to live on the land mm-hmm. when not in a city. Uh, this yeah. one says they're an outlander from Baldur's Gate, but uh, we can we can weave that in if we if we care for. So maybe they they're currently in Baldur's Gate. Uh, as a changeling, but uh, have spent a significant amount of time outside the city. Okay. All right. So hang with me here. I'm thinking this is a charlatan bodybuilder. <laughs> oh, kind of like a but, snake oil salesman for uh, enhancement. Yeah, I, I mean, so you've got you've got this person who's got deception. You've got this person who has intimidate, who has persuasion. They have all the right social skills. Um, who, you know, haven't taken a look at the spells yet. It seems like they have some more combat-oriented stuff just at a glance. Yeah, so their at-wills are uh, light prestidigitation, so two utility cantrips, which is not always great for a sorcerer, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, but infestation is a new one for me. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with that one. Um, it is a conjuration cantrip. Okay, that's and it. It allows you to cause a cloud of mites, fleas, and other parasites to appear momentarily on one creature. So it's kind of like a jar of bees that you're throwing uh, yep. at your uh, enemies, which will cause poison damage if they fail their con save. Okay, so uh, interesting. Okay. It's a conjuration contrip. You don't see too many of those. Yeah. Contrip. You have to say it like that. It's conjuration. It's contrip. a contrip. <laughs> uh- <laughs> uh, and as well, they've got uh, chaos bolt and jump. And large, and large reduce reduced person. <laughs> wow. Clearly for themselves for this whole bodybuilding aspect, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the pyrotechnics might fit with your with your charlatan uh, mm-hmm. type of idea, you know, with having fireworks go off. Prestidigitation too. Like yeah. I, I I feel like this this could actually very well be a performer style character with uh with that impressive surprisingly impressive athletics and surprisingly impressive persuasion um, <laughs> i could see this as as someone who is uh you know weaving stories on a stage or i don't know why i got i got so attached to this bodybuilding idea this idea of somebody who really has sculpted their body but can't do anything like long term with it mm. like they're not going to fight a battle for uh like a like a barbarian might but that first punch will probably hurt <laughs> yeah if they can land it. Uh, <laughs> they do have a few metamagic uh, abilities here. They have mm-hmm. subtle spell and heightened spell. Okay. Well, subtle spell also plays into that whole charlatan concept uh, of, you know, doing things on the down low and, and uh, getting these getting these spells off before other people can notice. Yeah. Um, so that just basically means they can can't use some of their sorcery points to cast anything without anyone knowing it, without any somatic or vocal components. That's interesting. You know, this would be a fantastic uh, sideshow in the Witchlight Carnival. Absolutely. And I'm looking at the heightened spell there, especially with the um, uh, spell that makes... Infestation, uh, Infestation, Mm-hmm. Right, so if you're able to use your heightened spell for three sorcery points, you'd be able to get people to um, fail their 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 saves that much easier, as well as the enlarge or reduce. Because I, I feel like that could be something that's used in a, in a carnival setting as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Um, Chaos Bolt is the probably the standard offensive spell that they use uh, over and over and over again. It's a good standby, right? Like that's that's something that you can kind of rely on, but it does have that also, uh, you know, chaotic element to it. (laughs) Right. You don't know which uh, type of damage you're going to do. It might be something that your foe is uh, immune to. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certainly that possibility, and then jump. I, I I never pick jump. I always want to pick jump as a, as a spell, and I never do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting that it's here, and again, could be used in the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm really I'm really loving this idea now of weaving them in as like a carnival side act, or you know, like go see the strongman Bolin. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking at Draconic Resilience, so their max AP a- HP actually increased by three. <laughs> so they actually had a hit point total of five. Five, five at level three. Wow. Uh, which, uh, I mean, it's, it's possible, right? Even it if you is. do standard, uh, you know, uh, hit points to start and then roll one mm-hmm. or two and get negative three on each one of those rolls, at least you always have one. So, yep. Dang. It's some really poor rolling as well as low con that it means that they are an actual glass cannon here. Mm-hmm. I, and I do think that that's a really great way to represent this character, right? Like the, the concept of the glass cannon caster is, I mean, like you said, Raceland's a perfect example. Right. Uh, that, that's a very uh, common trope for your for your caster types. So I think that that works, but I love the idea of this twist that it's somebody who is presenting themselves as something they're not. <laughs> Especially by be, yeah, by being a changeling too. Like that's mm-hmm. so interesting. Um so we've got all these parts. How do, so okay, so let me just kind of summarize and let me see where we could weave in any more storytelling here. So the Bolin and we don't have a a gender here for Bolin. So what would you think they are? Oh gosh. I mean, so I actually think that this would work really well as a non-binary person, um, especially as a changeling. I think it's really common for changelings to want to be fluid and to go uh, between the genders as they so choose. So I, I think this is someone who would actually work well in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they were either an orphan or grew up not knowing about themselves and who they are really, mm-hmm. and had to fend for themselves. I mean, that's where the survival comes in. That's where the uh, uh, outsider comes in because they find themselves in a large city. Let's say it's Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. And they try to carve a life for themselves from the abilities that they have to change their appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the uh, you know strength and dexterity kind of plays into being a showman uh, as mm-hmm. well as the high charisma. Uh, so that allows them to be... Um, well-liked within their communities. I think that's part of the um, background here is that they have, uh, you know, some friends within the the immigrant community. So they, they've, they basically, the non-humans of Baldur's Gate embraced Bolin, uh, or at least the show that Bolin puts out. Um, <laughs> and then do, do you find them as a loner or do you think that they've joined some type of, you know, uh, a carnival or circus, as you were saying, with the, with the Witchlight Carnival? I do really like the idea of this being someone who's joined a troop. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe they do have that kind of level of insecurity that where they don't build long-term relationships with people, but they like is making connections with as many people as possible, even if it's really only on the surface. Yeah, 
I agree. I think I think it makes much more sense if they've found their uh, family, you know, mm-hmm. for lack of a, 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 a you know, re- repeating a cliche there. Their found family is this uh, group of, uh, maybe they're not all charlatans, but at least they all pay attention mm-hmm. to uh, how to perform and, and uh, entertain the rest of the larger Baldur's Gate community. Mm-hmm. I love that they know the tantan, which is a... Uh, <laughs> I had to look it up. It's a tambourine-like instrument. Oh, excellent. Please uh, please just randomly pile on more reasons to make this a carnival person. Yeah. <laughs> right? I could just definitely see them being able to, when they're not you know, a bigger part of the show, just accompanying yep. on the rhythm tan-tan going on. Um, we also meant, I mean, their silver dragon heritage means that they speak draconic, elvish, yep. Zemnian uh, as well, mm-hmm. uh, which gives them more credence to um, performing in a uh, circus type thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Um, what do you think they uh, look like uh, other than, like what is their chosen form more often than not? More often than not. Well, uh, I think I had mentioned before, I imagine this is someone who probably has a very sculpted body. I'm thinking either very Cirque du Soleil-esque, mm. um, where it's someone who has good muscle definition, probably keeps themselves uh, able to be, uh, to move around easily, uh, but really has some some muscle underneath that. Um, but and, then how do they dress themselves? How do they, how do are, they, they, dress are, they are they shirtless all the time? <laughs> Is this is this a shirtless individual? Uh, that's that's a great question. Um, I'm I'm wondering if you know if they're really presenting themselves as like the, the strong man or or strong person kind of part of the act. Then yeah, yeah they're probably dressed in either something that's either very form fitting, uh, or at least shows off the parts of their their body that they're most proud of. Whether that's like arms or you know impressive quads or abs or or whatever the case may be. Interesting. What if, and I'm just throwing this out there, what if in their resting form, they're nothing like that? Like what if in right. their resting form, they're actually quite slight or or maybe even an animal or something that isn't uh, what you might think of as something um, that would be strong or, 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 or give that forth. But as soon as they're on, mm-hmm. they are this, this muscled individual who is all about showmanship um, but that's only one hour a day, you know, or two hours a yep. day. Yeah. And I, not, I love that. Yeah. I love that they have this, they have this like strong, confident form that they use when they're in the middle of their performance. And then like the moment the show's over, it's just like, I, you know, they develop a slouch and they put on a, like a fluffy robe and it's just like, <laughs> I'm right? almost it's- imagining going like complete opposites. Like imagine, imagine like almost Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilder style while on stage. And the moment that they leave the stage, they're like little old cat lady with a cigarette and <laughs> bunny slippers just walking off. That would be amazing to have that. Right. It's like, it's like seeing a, uh, uh, um, uh, I guess, yeah, a professional wrestler or type of, of, <laughs> of look. And then when they're off stage, it's Liberace. You know, yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, smoking <laughs> totally. a cigarette by the piano. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Tapping their tan. I love it. Yeah, with the tan tan. <laughs> you know, keeping the time there. All right. Well, what do they? Uh, what do they sound like uh, in those two forms? You know, oh, gosh, how, how so do they? It really is two different voices, right? This is the kind of character yeah. who would 
who'd who'd really like have you know maybe that's why they learned Zemnian was for their other because uh, Zemnian um, in Exandria is compared a lot of the times to German, mm. so so maybe they have kind of like this 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 big hulking German accent while while they're in their you know performance style and when they're off stage it's just I'm imagining like almost the Roz from Monsters Inc kind of. <laughs> I'm just going to chill. I'm done with my show, honey. You come back. You come back the next day. <laughs> <laughs> We're closed. <laughs> We're closed. Right. Uh, I love that. Um, <laughs> it, it, it feeds into the kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, kind of look, right? If he's like this Austrian accented uh, bodybuilder mm-hmm. in one situation than the other. All right. That's perfect. Sweet. Well, uh, let's let's summarize uh, Bolin here, uh, and we start with them living on their own. Uh, they might have some silver dragon heritage, uh, but ha- basically had to fend for themselves. They were able to eat uh, uh, by using their survival skills, um, but grew up uh, somewhat lonely until they wandered into a city. Uh, perhaps like Baldur's Gate that's full of, you know, scum and villainy and found a family uh, in a carnival or group of um, circus performers that allowed them to be themselves uh, uh, when they chose to. uh, And then they could change their form into the strong, boisterous, strong man uh, performer and perhaps uh, convince you to part with some of your gold pieces in doing so. Um, they are a sorcerer, so they're able to cast magic, and they use most of that magic to help the show. Uh, there is a lot of uh, um, utility magic in their small smell list, including light and prestidigitation, maybe even shocking grasp uh, is, is is useful in the show. If there's a... Um, audience member who's getting unruly maybe the infestation comes into play there and they're able to get them to move out uh, but because of the meta magic they cast these spells somewhat invisibly uh, mm-hmm. and are mostly able to deceive people into realizing that the, it, it, that uh, Bolin is not the origin of this magic. When they get into, into trouble uh, maybe they do use a chaos bolt here and there if necessary but otherwise uh, jump is used to good effect and larger reduce can use, you know, be used on uh, some any number of fun creatures to be a part of the show and the pyrotechnics. Well, that goes without saying. Um, Absolutely. When they're performing, uh, they change themselves into a form that looks very muscular, uh, extremely strong. But their low constitution means that that's only one hour a day. If that, they soon get exhausted and uh, revert to their true form, uh, which talks like Roz from Monsters Inc. <laughs> Does that sound about right? That's perfect, honey. <laughs> you nailed it. And they love all of their uh, found family who perform in this thing and uh, is happy to support their efforts as well as uh, you know keeping rhythm with the tan tan uh, in the off uh, when when they're not on stage. I love this character. I do. This too. character is delightful. I kind of want to play this character. Not going to lie, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I am a big fan of the big swings and the stats and then having to come up with the reasons for why those are so. Uh, so uh, high dex, high charisma, 
low con and low intelligence uh, <laughs> is just a real fun character, especially for a sorcerer like this. So maybe you happen upon a performance by Bolin uh, in your travels. If you would like to uh, check out this character, we'll have a link in the show notes where you can access it in D&D Beyond. I think you have to sign in uh, to be able to look at that. Um, but I, as always, love coming up with this character from random stats with you, Brandy. It was super fun. This is always a blast, Greg. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we'll be back next week. Bye. Yeah, uh, such wonderful characterization from me and Brandy. Uh, we had a couple of really, really uh, bad luck uh, r- roles uh, there that we made work uh, story-wise. So uh, check it out uh, if you need uh, some NPCs. We've been such- doing these and putting those characters up available. So I don't think we've heard too much from people about whether they use them or not. Uh, so go ahead and email us. Our email address is in the show notes for Dragon Talk. Uh, and of course, listen uh, to this wherever you can. But if you're interested in watching us uh, interview our subjects uh, and or <laughs> our some subjects, because we're scientists, not podcast <laughs> hosts. <laughs> I guess guest is the, is the, is the better word uh, instead of subjects. Time to do a find replace in our Dragon Talk book manuscript. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, head to the D&D YouTube channel to watch us be as silly as we can with our interviewees and our uh, wonderful segment guests. Guests is a hard word to say, so that's why I don't like saying it. You have to accentuate. Guests. Tip of the tongue. Uh, so can't wait for you all to hear Paul Shapiro and Charlie Rehor. They are actors just like us, and I'm sure they did a few enunciate tip of the tongue exercises in their training. Just and like us. Just like us. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to play D&D with them in the lobby of a theater. Everyone, let's welcome Charlie Rehor and Paul Shapiro to Dragon Talk. Yay! 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 Crowd goes wild. Whoa, I love Beetle and Grimps. Whoa! <laughs> oh, I have boxes. Fans everywhere. What do you mean, everywhere. if only? These boxes are selling out. Like- they are. They are. It, it, is, it is constantly amazing to us uh, that, uh, that these boxes do continue to sell. I mean, we love making them. <laughs> But we, I mean, we started this on a lark. I mean, we literally, we were up in Seattle and Matt Lillard was like, hey guys, I'm going to pitch this to Wizards. What do you think? Oh, and we said, no way, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Don't and do then, it. Then, and then five years later, here, here we, we are. are. That's yeah. crazy. I remember being at Gamehole Con and I don't remember the when, but it was, you mm. guys were there and relatively mm-hmm. new, if not brand new and kind of like hand selling the boxes there on the convention <laughs> floor and I walked by one and you were like so look, we're, we're selling like they're selling really well people are buying them and then like I don't know three hours later it was like we're sold out they're gone <laughs> all the boxes have been sold yep yeah amazing I love that so yeah I love that pitch that uh Lillard gave 
back in 2017, I think it was, uh, oh. to make these high-end versions of uh, the Dungeons & Dragons adventure books that have been coming out, give some physical props, give Dungeon Masters all the tools they need uh, to have this amazing, uh, holistic uh, you know, uh, game experience at the table. And then uh, COVID happened. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Oops. And you know, we and we, we actually thought that was gonna be kind of it for us for a year. Yeah. We we, we really? were like, okay, we're gonna we need to cut back production of everything, we're not gonna release these products. And then God bless them, people kept buying stuff. I, I think everybody just kind of needed a a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, here's what I'm gonna do all over. Yeah. Um, I mean, I yeah. still buy clothes even though like all i do is wear the same pajama shorts and <laughs> i change my top every wednesday though so oh I nice, nice i appreciate that I appreciate <laughs> when we that. record dragon talk but yeah yeah i mean you there's it's it's a hopeful box it's full yeah. of optimism yeah. yeah i mean definitely there was a lot of aspirational like people saying i'm gonna buy these boxes knowing that it was someday we're gonna get back around the table yeah. Um, and that was really, that was, that was great to see. So that was a, that was a huge thing that got us through last year. And so this year it's been great to be able to roll out new boxes and, uh, you know, and just continue to, and, and actually see people use them, right? Like with people oh, yeah. in person, um, playing games is great. Getting vaccinated and actually getting yep. together. Uh, I know I've, I'm, I've got this game room here, which I'm hoping gets to have some use, uh, in it since I moved in this house was, <laughs> Late. Uh, well, it looks like it's being used. It's sort of vertical <laughs> sto- or horizontal storage. Right? It's, exactly right. You can see the WD forty and the glue yeah. gun, like the most yeah, yeah. important <laughs> things in the house right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I let's talk a little bit about what's what's happening first, and then I want to go back into the history again. Yeah, yeah. We've heard you know the 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 origin story of you guys playing together from Matt, but I want to I want to get you guys on record as talking about what it was like playing. But first, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight box. Yeah. What's going on with uh, what's going in that? Yeah, so so Wild Beyond the Witchlight is um, is the new box. It's the Platinum Edition. We're actually for the first time ever we released the Platinum Edition and the Silver Edition at the same time, oh, so nice. people can go to the website and you can either get the you know the everything in the kitchen sink or you can get just the important stuff without the kitchen sink, but, uh, but still the adventure. Um, and it's, it was really, I mean, it's a super fun, um, adventure, you know, it takes place in, in the Feywild and the carnival. Uh, but one of the things that initially really sort of stumped us a little bit is that the adventure, uh, is really sort of built and designed so that you could play it without a lot or any combat. Mm-hmm. And to a bunch of old school D and D players, our first thought was, "What? Why? Like, how, how do you? How <laughs> do you even? What is my sword for? How do you do that?" <laughs> uh, and it took a little bit of uh, thinking through it and kind of digging in to really sort of, you know, uh, embrace that, embrace the the um, you know what makes that special, and and then figure out what what goes in the box for that, right? Because so much of what we've done in the past has been around, you know, battle maps and, um, you know, things that you can use as part of, you know, bloodstained letters and things like that. Um, and so uh, some of the things are still there. We still have some amazing maps. Um, Will and Stacy 
mm-hmm. did some amazing maps in this um, in this adventure, and we were able to you know blow them up and and, and print them out and create some new maps. Uh, but we also had to really lean into a lot of the storytelling and the uh, and the role playing, and come up with sort of elements and pieces that um, you know would be fun to have, but don't necessarily rely on hacking and slashing. Um, and so that's been fun. So the box has uh, we wrote um, some bonus encounters, and the bonus encounters used to be um, like for Waterdeep and Avernus. They're just you know different ways of killing things, right? Like for <laughs> Descent into Avernus. We did one of our bonus encounters was called the Blood Bowl, and it was you know this adventure of driving the riding the infernal machines and destroying things. Uh, so we really had to think about well, how do we write bonus encounters uh, for this adventure that don't necessarily have to rely on um, uh, on combat, uh, and that sort of pushed us a little bit. But we came up with some great uh, stories. We one of the things that we did for the bonus encounters is we looked at the, the world maps uh, that Will and Stacy had created of uh, the Fey world. And we found little parts of the map where nothing was written about, where the adventure mm-hmm. just didn't mention uh, anything about it. There's a couple of places where we looked at the map and we're like, that seems really cool. And mm-hmm. there was nothing written in the adventure. So we just wrote little encounters that you can do at any point that take advantage of those sort of mysterious corners of the map uh, and sort of who you meet there. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, that was one of my favorite parts of uh, using the Waterdeep Dragon Eyes mm. box. I mean, that was your first box. That was the yep. one that I played. I really loved uh, city campaigns. And so I used that one the most. And I think I used every single one of your bonus encounters uh, in the early levels uh, because they were so fun and evocative mm-hmm. and got across what was uh, cool about that adventure. And I love that you're continuing that with uh, the bonus encounters in this box, right? You're like, you know, yeah. you're not necessarily just being like, hey, this is how we play. You know, let's let's have some, you know, some red caps that we're going to beat up on. <laughs> it is making sure that it, you know, kind of feels the whimsy and uh, potential to get through it without combat uh, right. throughout. So that's really cool. Yeah, and all, but at the same time, it, it's an opportunity for us to sort of really lean into the sort of Beetle and Grimm's uh, sort of style and sense of humor that sort of, you know, is what the company was was founded on, right? So there's the, you know, it there's the sort of fun and the adventure, but there's also the little bit of snarky humor. Uh, there's the um, a little bit of the goofiness, um, and uh, and all the snarkiness comes from Charlie, by the way. He's the one. He's our. <laughs> I can our see resident. that. <laughs> I got bottles of snark in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Peddling Crack snark. I'll take them. Um, it was fun. So, you know, it's 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 fun to kind of push yourself and and make yourself do something different. And it usually happens in those in those cases. You find out that it's actually that's really fun. Uh, so it was it was good. What were some of the um, uh, artifacts? Uh, oh, Charlie, maybe you can talk about that are in there. Uh, I, like, <laughs> careful, Paul. Just spoiler wise, but oh, right. Uh, so, well, so there are a couple of things that we can talk about. So obviously one of the things, um, is there's a, uh, with, uh, we actually started this with the sentence of Avernus adding a plushie. So that's when we had mm. the Lulu plushie. Mm. Uh, and so we're always looking for an opportunity to do that again. And, and in wild beyond the witch light, there is a fairy dragon character that the players get to meet. Um, and whenever we come across a, a, a character, an NPC that you meet that happens to just be plushie size, 
Uh, <laughs> it's almost irresistible. So yeah. there's a there's a plushy Sertalivar um, that turns out you can actually use in a lot of different ways. Um, and we'll be sort of giving DMs and you know in ideas as to different ways of using it from actually representing the character to also being something that shows up in the carnival or being thing something that shows up uh, in the Fey world. So that's fun. Another thing that we put in there uh, that we're excited about, uh, we can't talk too much about why it's there, but we have been allowed to talk about the fact that it's a unicorn horn. Mm, that's so it's what an actual uh, life-size, as life-size as we can make, uh, unicorn horn. And we decided, and, and we worked with, with our artists to have it look and feel as much like what you would expect a unicorn horn to look like if an evil hag had, you know, removed it from the unicorn. Um, but uh, so it's anatomically correct. And as close we, as we could, we as close as we can make. Consultants brought in. To- <laughs> we did. We did. No uh, unicorns were harmed in the. Well, actually, I, off of I, that's, not, I don't know. that's not entirely true, unfortunately. <laughs> so, oh no, I think I could get in trouble. So I know. Don't really, want to get legal no, on that one. All right. right, exactly. Backpedal, backpedal. I think we're on a. I think that's a little. That's that one's a little dicey. But uh, <laughs> so that's so. But that's really that's one of those things that you just you pick up and you get to hold and you're like, oh wow. Um, and that's and we're at the point now as we're as we're creating the box. So. When we first start the box, it's all just ideas, right? It's just a list of ideas that get sent off to different artists and factories. Uh, but right now, as we're putting it all together, we're at the point now where things are starting to come back and we're getting to see mm. the physical things. So the unicorn horn, uh, Sir Talavar, um, there's, uh, uh, there's um, the League of Malevolence and Balor's Call, which are two sort of iconic groups from old D&D or... Uh, make appearances uh, in uh, in this adventure. And so we have an artifact for one of them, for one of those groups nice. uh, that we're going to be excited to share. Is um, it a roller coaster? <laughs> it's a small roller coaster. It's, a, it's actually, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, another one of those sort of metal badges that we, uh, oh, that we those. create that really sort of looks and feels like, you know, it, it's gone through uh, uh, years of campaigning. Um but then also, uh, the fun thing about this particular adventure is there's a whole world of the carnival at the beginning. And so we've been able to create a whole world of things that go into the carnival. So whether that's the tickets that the, the players get, we actually are creating punchable tickets. So the tickets, the players get them and they're good for eight rides. And mm-hmm. then the DM can actually punch out every time they go on a ride. Oh, um, I love that. It's really, and they're, it's, you know, they're made out of like thick, stiff cardboard. So they really feel like, something hefty. Um, So there's a whole bunch of things around the carnival. There's a poster for it. Uh, And then when they go into the Fae, there's a whole new set of things that they get uh, that are in the Fae that include all the different handouts, um, wanted posters. There's a whole, in in one of the parts of the adventure, there's a whole set of wanted posters that the players come across. Um, And in the adventure, they mention that there's lots and lots of them. And so we couldn't resist um, just making all of them. So there's a whole stack of, of, and they're all, each of them is slightly different, right? So it's not just, we made 14 copies of them. We actually made 14 slightly different wanted posters that all get posted up all around the Fae um, that uh, the players get to find. So it just, it's just full of fun things. Um, 
one thing that we're really excited about that 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 always uh, we love about the Platinum Editions is the WizKids minis. Mm. Um, that uh, you know we work with WizKids and WizKids normally you know sells their minis in these big you know uh, boxes and you get the packs and you have to un- unwrap them to see which ones you get. Um, but they let us every year look at their list and just pick the ones we want. So we were able to just pick the seventeen minis uh, that we thought were the coolest. Um, and and put them in the box. Oh my so, god! So there's there's some really sort of iconic uh, power. Yeah, uh, minis that you're going to get um, in this set, which is really really neat. So it just, I mean, I could go on forever. Just full of uh, so many cool things um, that uh, you know. Some of them are similar to what we've done in the past. So people who have gotten platinum editions before will know sort of what to expect. But then every time we're always trying to come up with you know, something new, something that, uh, you know, we haven't done before. That's so cool. I think the the minis for this, this story are some of the best ones I've ever seen. Yeah. I think just because the characters are so unique mm-hmm. and they're so colorful and vibrant and just seeing them all lined up is, it's just really, <laughs> it just gives you a very good idea of what you can expect in this story. Yeah. One, it turns out that actually one of my favorites, I didn't expect it to be, but once I saw the the actual renders of all of them, there's a we have a giant snail mini that at first I was like, oh, that'll be sort of cool. You know, there's a, you know, the giant snails, there's snail races. But when you oh actually God. see this sort of rainbow colored giant snail, uh, it's just, it's just wonderful. And to have it, was- it be next to oh. little, you know, character minis and have it sort of tower over them. Uh, you talking really, about this has got the police just circling. Did you place, hear like, it? Yeah. Well, these um, minis. Yeah. Well, because I wasn't supposed to say talk about this. <laughs> Too many spoilers. The, 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 yeah. So wizards is Watsy actually Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She just Busted. she drives by in a, in a in a in a cop car. She does. That's, That's awesome. how she gets to work she'll, every day. She'll shut me down. <laughs> I know. She has shut us all down at some point. I <laughs> uh, I just hearing you guys talk. I'm just and I know you know just what. Fans you are of D and D, and probably never thought twenty years ago when you were playing D and D that someday you'd be in like work meetings where you're discussing a unicorn <laughs> horn in such great detail. But here you are. But yeah. what can you just take us through? What it's like, like those very first brainstorming sessions when, like, you get the 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 product, you get the the book in hand early, and then what? How do you come up with? This is what we're gonna we're gonna pull this out and make this and like where do the ideas come from? What is that like? Well, we usually have one person who is the sort of the lead for each box, and it kind of rotates around. Um, Paul's actually got stuck somehow with the last two platinum boxes, so he's been the, the lead for both. <laughs> well, of Good those. job, Paul. Yeah, but that that person generally everybody will read it, but that general person generally comes back and sort of hits the high points. You know, there's these are obviously you know some things that we could we could pull out. And then everybody else is kind of digging in for something different. And then it devolves into hours of arguments, uh, <laughs> but, but good arguments, you know, it's like, you know, the, the, the Matt trying to pitch plushies for us the first time was actually a like four week running battle between him and us where, you know, at the beginning, he was the only person who wanted to do it. And then he cracked maybe like one person in one week and then cracked another person and finally got enough people to actually do it. Nice. And now it looks smart, but there's always something like that. There's always, always something like that where it's a, everybody, one person is trying to shift everybody to a different position, hmm. uh, but it's a lot of fun. And that's, you know, it's, 
it is important. It's super important. That's part of our, <clears throat> I guess, you know, the, the, what makes that dynamic work is that, yeah, one person is leading it and they, you know, come up, but everybody gets invested in it. Everybody is looking for something that they can champion for it. And so you always have, you know, five people who have been playing games for a long time, um, bouncing ideas off each other. And that's where the, the good stuff comes is the, in, in the interaction between everybody, you know, the, the, you know, the old joke, you know, that, that a, um, a camel is a horse designed by committee. Uh, it's, it really works the opposite for us. We, we start, we come in with camels and come out with horses. Generally it's the, oh. it's the interaction that, that actually works out best for us. I mean, sometimes they stay camels, but, uh, yes, there, there's, there's camel skeletons littered along the way as we go. But, and I, I think the other thing that's really fun about those meetings and, and they really, they start out very organized. One of us comes in and says, okay, here's the adventure and this is what we're going to do. And then as to Charlie's point, it quickly devolves into just people talking about stuff that they think is cool. Uh, but the other thing is that all of us, I think, uh, have certain things that we particularly like and that we're particularly drawn to. And so we'll, we'll focus on those, uh, and we'll dig in. So, you know, Matt is always pushing for, you know, plushies or, (laughs) you know, things that really won't fit in the box. Uh, or can't be made. Uh, <laughs> or, or entirely uh, theoretical. Every or, yeah, company exactly. has one of right. those people. Or they're Everyone. illegal in some states, you know, things like that. <laughs> uh, and then, but then, you know, and and every, but, and, and he'll sort of fight for those or suggest things. Uh, but other people have, have different things, right? So some people love uh, the art. Some people love the maps. Um, so, you know, some people love the, you know, the the physical items. And so everyone sort of comes in with, you know, their sort of take on it. And we just bat those ideas around and inevitably one person will say, Oh, you know, here's an idea for, you know, using this handout. And then somebody else says, well, yeah, but it'd be even cooler if, you know, they were, you know, on the back of it written really small, there was like a little secret message. Um, And it's like, Oh yeah. And so we'll add that in. Um, And sometimes, and, 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 you know, sometimes it's like directly out of the adventure. Like it's, you know, as written in the adventure, we'll just do it exactly. And then sometimes we'll add our own, uh, you know, things to it to say, well, it'd be, you know, it's not written that way, but what if, you know, there was another, uh, you know, way that you could get this or, you know, or we'll write out a letter that's just mentioned and we'll say, well, what, you know, this is what we what think it actually say. say. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So that kind of stuff is fun. So the, yeah. So those, those are hours. Those, those meetings will take hours and hours. And they used to be all in person, right? We used to all just sit around someone's living room. And now they're just endless, endless Zoom meetings. Uh, when we started, when we started the company, we met, we would meet once a week, um, either in person or on Zoom. And then it became twice a week. Uh, and then it became three times a week. And then, you know, now we have three official meetings a week. And then we have lots of other little small meetings that uh, we go to, but we're just constantly sort of coming together um, and, uh, and you know, connecting over things, reviewing things, you know, looking at how can we make this just a little bit cooler. I think the other kind of secret to it, though, too, is to have good collaborators. So, you know, as, as clever as we think we are, a lot of times what really makes it work is that we have an idea and we hand it off to the people making the boxes or doing the art and they say, you know, that's a great idea, but it'd be a hell of a lot better if you did this instead. And they're generally right. And so that's, that's been a big part of our, our success is we found great people to work with. What's an example of, of, of that happening? 
Uh, a lot of the times, uh, I think, especially when we were starting off, this company that does our uh, a lot of the physical products for us, um, the paper products, ampersand, we would come to them with a handout idea and we say, we want it on this paper. And they would say, yeah, you really don't, though. What you want it on <laughs> is this paper because we could tea stain it, we can crumple it for you, we can do these kinds of things. And it's like, oh, okay. We had no idea that it was possible, but yes, please. Please do that. Well, and and that company, like they're that they're like a they're in Canada and they're this very sort of buttoned up like you know printing company and they've never they had never done anything like this stuff before until we started working with them, <laughs> uh, and we only started working with them because the guy who owns it um, was the brother of someone that Matt used to date a long oh. time ago, uh, who was also in movies, but we won't mention her name. Um, but uh, so at first they were like, oh, yeah, we'll print it. And to Charlie's point, like we'd, we'd give them stuff and initially they would just print it. And then they started coming back with ideas. And now, like, we'll send them something and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not we, we got it. We have a whole better idea. So they now they <gasps> oh, like love it. They like come up with new paper and they they use their machines in different ways. Like they have a machine that's supposed to be used for like sealing things and they use it to dry the wrinkled paper. Like they dip the paper and make, get it wet. And then they put it through this like drying machine and it comes out all, you know, crinkly. Uh, so... They just bought this, this die cutting machine just to make our stuff so that they can oh die cut God. stuff. I love that they're, you inspired them. They're, they're, they're like, they just went all in. So now they're, they're, they're coming back to us with, you know, we just found this new material that you can wrap the boxes in that makes it feel like canvas. And, oh my you know, God. we're going to put grommets on things. Um, they're, yeah, they're just, and it's so funny because this is the only thing that they do like this. Everything else is like, you know, Canadian Department of Transportation signs and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I, I, I just hope it spills over. I hope they just start, you know, Canadian highway signs start having like blood stains. <laughs> things on them moose blood uh, exactly (laughs) magic magic runes yeah uh follow this to get to the to the treasure yeah Uh, i love that i mean that's kind of the tenet of what this this uh, company is so cool right because you're taking all of these different um disciplines like printing and plush making and metal work and and all this stuff and and uh combining it into this amazing (laughs) box that people are just going to get get a kick out of opening and touching and feeling all of these things, you know, even beyond the context of doing it in the adventure. I mean, mm-hmm. I think just that unboxing moment is such a really strong moment for this. Um, and it's something that I just love about Dungeons and Dragons in general, right? That it takes all of these different disciplines and lets you do them, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's writing, it's adventures, it's maps, it's arithmetic, it's, you know, logic <laughs> and strategy, you know, and you guys are doing that, but in a, in a physical product form. And I just, it, it's so cool to hear about. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, thank you. It's 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 been a lot of fun, and uh, and so yeah. So the Witchlight box is the sort of the main thing. We're super excited about that. Um, you can still order the Platinum Edition, and um, it's going to ship, you know, uh, in November. Um, and uh, but there's some other things, uh, other boxes that that are sort of currently selling that um, that we're also really excited about. And one of the things that that we're still constantly amazed at. Mm. is that we're still selling our Curse of Strahd boxes, which is an amazing box. And, and that was a box that Matt led and, and um, you know, it just has all sorts of ridiculous things. It has finger puppets in it. I mean, <laughs> that's another thing where like Matt was like, we're going to do finger puppets. 
And, and everybody was like, no, we're not doing finger puppets. And the way the company works is there's five of us, right? So you need, three, you need, you need two other votes to get anything done. And he had no other votes. And he just kept at it. And then finally, we ended up making finger puppets and they were great. Yeah, um, they were like I, one of the most. Po- I mean, <laughs> yeah, they I blew mean, my mind. They, they I, thought, were awesome. I, I remember fans getting really excited about them. I hate it when Matt's right. Exactly, <laughs> it's terrible. But the, so, but the thing about Curse of Strahd is, we made we made what we thought was more than we would ever sell, and we sold all of them. And we went back and we did another printing. First oh, time we've like- ever gone back and done another printing of a product, and we're almost sold out of that one now too. And we might go back and, and do a third printing of this adventure that was, I mean, how many years ago was it? Uh, was it released? Yeah. Yeah. 2016. So uh, many, many years, five years. So it's a, it's five a years. seminal thing. People just love vampires, right? And they so love vampires. That type of uh, gothic horror storytelling is, I think you're right. And especially during this time of year when people are starting to get spoopy out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They want mm-hmm. to uh, uh, to jump into that, so that's awesome that that's still available. And yeah, and, and we we keep having these meetings where we'll like we, we say, you know, that we're not gonna we're not gonna. There's no way we're gonna make more of those. Like no, there can't be more people who want to buy it. And then sure enough, every week it's like, oh no, maybe we maybe we need to buy it. Wow. Yeah, I think actually on the website it's it says this is the second printing. There won't be a third, and I think I'm lying. I think there will be. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I mean, I think uh, I'm really excited about the boxes that you guys are doing. They always look really cool. Um, but I would love to hear your side of uh, the story of when you guys started playing D&D together, right? Because it's been five of you. I love, you know, th- even just what you mm-hmm. said about the, having the votes, right? Like, it feels like you kind of run the company like you do a game of diplomacy, which oh, no. feels like <laughs> it would fall Not apart. Like, but some- yeah, they wouldn't, st- they wouldn't be here right now if they ran it like a game of diplomacy. <laughs> That's it's a game of diplomacy where nobody wins. Hot button issue. <laughs> what was that, Charlie? It's the only thing I remember about that game is everybody's angry afterwards. Right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but you, I mean, it's it's... Not exactly rare that you have a, a gaming group that's been around for decades. I mean, I think that's part of the, the great things about D&D is that you find people and you, you latch onto them. But I think you uh, five are singular in that you have enjoyed playing together for this long. And now you've forged a successful business working together as friends and <clears throat> continuing to be gamers together. And that is, that is pretty rare. So what, what was it? What what? was the crucible of the five of you getting together and playing uh, for that first time? Well, uh, Charlie and I have both have slightly different uh, entrees. Charlie actually started way, way early because he and Bill are brothers. So they started early, but the, the way the sort of the group of us came together, uh, John, Bill, Matt, and I were all in acting school here in New York city. So we all went to the circle in the square acting school. Um, And uh, you know, the first year we were there, we were all, you know, focused on acting. We were all going to be stars. And so we spent all of our time, you know, worrying about that. And then by the end of the year, we'd all sort of gotten to be friends. And finally, uh, John sort of just kind of casually mentioned, hey, would anybody be interested in, you know, playing D&D? And we all, we because we hadn't really talked about it up until then. All of a sudden, all of us were like, oh, yeah. Because we had all played, we had all played as kids and just, you know, it's one of those things that certainly back then, this was in the, you know, early 90s, it wasn't quite as cool to be like, oh, yeah, I play D&D. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't sort of bring that up in parties. 
like you do now, I guess. Um, but uh, I go to different parties. Well, maybe. So, so John just like mentioned it, and we we're like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." So, uh, we, you know, he was our DM, and we put together the first, the you know, the first game. And because we were in acting school, one, we were all actors, and so everything we did was way over the top. Um, but also, none of us lived in an apartment that was really big enough uh, for us all to get together. Um, cause it's, you know, in New York, our apartments right. were the size of, you know, mini fridges. Yeah. Where um, were you living at the time? Uh, I was, li- Bill and I were roommates living in the East village mm. on St. Mark's, uh, oh, no and Matt and John were roommates living in Hell's Kitchen. Um, That's so funny. Before love- Daredevil cleaned it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love that area of the East village. I worked at New York theater workshop a bunch and this kind of always oh, yeah, yeah. was, uh, was in that area. And then I actually have a friend who's moving back to hell's kitchen to be in an off Broadway show, uh, oh, in the wow. same apartment he lived in, uh, in the two thousands <laughs> No uh, way. back there. Right. So wow. I have a connection to both those neighborhoods. Wow. Yeah. So B- Bill and I lived in a three bedroom that had been converted from a studio. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just imagine, okay. imagine how that works. It's a studio I, I, apartment that someone had turned into a three bedroom. Uh, so we ended. So we we would play at night after the theater school closed in the lobby of the Broadway Theater. Nice. So the Circle and the Square Theater. Our our school was in the basement, but you know it was in the basement of this Broadway Theater. So after everybody left and after the show closed, we'd set up tables in this huge Broadway lobby. Oh my god. Where you know, just you know, sound would echo, and we had these columns Amazing. and things sort of disappeared into the darkness, uh, totally against the rules. Uh, <laughs> and we would play until you know, two or three in the morning, um, and just had a great time. And I think because we approached it from this place of all being in acting school together, and you know, putting on shows, we also, I mean, we also started a theater company together, and we did a th- had a theater company in New York City. Uh, but we all played D and D all the time, um, and we just kept playing. And I think that's how we built up uh, the trust. I think, which is such a big part of uh, you know of, of one a gaming group, but also a company. Uh, it also that that um, it built up that um, sort of creative muscle of being able to just come up with ideas and not worry about you know being shot down. Is it a good idea? Is it not? Just that sort of creativity. Um, and we just, we just kept it up. Uh, and we just kept it up and we played and played. Um, John used to, uh, in, when we played in New York, when, if your character died, he would give you a subway token. <laughs> so that was, that was when you knew that your character was not coming back that night. Oh. <laughs> we hand you a, a subway token. This is before uh, Metro cards. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's After how, that, you got Metro cards. You're like, yeah, exactly. $20 on this. Bye bye. Right, exactly. Go home. <laughs> uh, but no, we would actually get a little subway token. You'd have oh, to that's leave, amazing. and you'd have to leave. Um, but that's really how it started. It was just in that sort of creative, uh, you know, cesspool of you know downtown New York theater. I love it. Um, what about you, Charlie? What was what was your uh, kind of intro to playing D anD D? And then is that all true? What Paul just said? <laughs> I can't actually vouch for any of that because I wasn't in New York. I was I was in New Orleans and in, in, in uh, getting my MFA degree actually while those guys were in New York. Oh no way. Um but yeah, I was, I mean, I played with my brother as a kid, and I played with my group of friends uh who all grew up to be engineers. So slightly different 
than actors. So at some point, you know, <laughs> the other path. Finally, my uh, my brother invited me to this this group of these guys to to play with, and slightly intimidating. I'm I'm not um, the most uh, you know the gregarious sort of talker actor kind of person as, as those characters are. So it took it took me a little while to to not be intimidated by the uh, by the room. Uh, but it was it was fun. And then, you know, again, we just it just sort of clicked and we all 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 went. And I, I do think that's it, it is a it is a part of that, you know, to be able to work together to, you know, to and play together and have sort of a, you know, like Paul said, a sort of a trust and being able to come out of the other side of arguments as still friends <laughs> is a big part of the uh, the way the business works. Right, because you can take a lot of hits uh, yeah. uh, I, throughout all of that, and then being able to stick together. That's huge. Yeah. I still play with the engineering friends. Do you do? They still play, too? I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a uh, a group that I ran I ran a game for for a whole year, and one person was in Hawaii, two in Austin, one in Kansas, one in Redwood City. Uh, all Zoom. Nice. Super fun. What, what uh, campaign are you playing there? With them, uh, that was all homebrew. So I that was that was entirely a a, a year long homebrew adventure that I wrote. It was fun, nice. That's and then really you uh, were the host for uh, the uh, faster purple worm kill kill. So Bill's brother, that was Bill. Bill was your brother. Yeah, I, yeah. you two yeah. look so similar. Again, they're the same, and you were yeah. wearing the same shirt it's as well. <laughs> he's a little more outgoing than I am. But yeah, that was that was super fun. It was so fun to because we had run it with ourselves, of course, but it was so fun to see that on DD Live. That was a blast. Yeah, and just I, that, that was the whole, great. The whole idea of you know and of the faster purple worm kill kill came out of you know we have this Twitch channel like we have a Beetle and Grimm's Twitch channel and we're constantly saying, what are we supposed to do on our Twitch channel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like what, what are we supposed to do on it again? And then we talk to the young people and they tell us, oh, you're supposed to stream stuff. Um, so we were trying to come up with, you know, well, what would be, none of us really wanted to play, you know, three, four hour streaming games on Twitch. Uh, it just seemed, you know, overwhelming or a six month campaign. And so Bill actually was the one who came up with the idea of, well, what if we came up with a, uh, a format where we could play D&D, but it always ended just at an hour? And the idea, so the idea was, well, what if they were just first level characters and you got to really know them and you got to know their backstory and you got to know what their hopes and dreams were. And then they <laughs> met up with an ancient dragon or a purple worm or something. And just, you know, because, you know, in the world of D&D, that has to happen sometimes. First level characters accidentally, you know, stumble across the, you know, challenge rating 30 <laughs> creature and, you know, and then that's it. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the skeletons would be all surrounding uh, the evil dragon came <laughs> right. from. Yeah. I love it. I, I had, I just had a ball watching that play out but and i kept thinking like this has to be training for something like i don't can't think of like what it is but like just like building the calluses of life here like just we're gonna have you make a character and you're gonna love this character and we're all gonna learn about you and then you die and then we're just gonna keep repeating it until you're okay with your character dying 
And I, I feel like train, I we should charge for it. <laughs> you could. It's like it's sort of therapeutic. I don't know. I couldn't think of what it was. Like I know there's something here, though. I right. know. Well, yeah. we're just waiting for that to come out. Eventually, we'll figure out what the what the benefit of it is, and until yeah. then, we'll just we'll it's just, just keep like it's characters. just like you know, scared straight camps and like <laughs> just go. tough love, right. kid. Tough love. Right. <laughs> you're gonna be right. fine. By the time we finish like ten rounds of this, you're not gonna care if you don't make the baseball team. Who cares? <laughs> You've survived so much worse. It's training but- for nihilists. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What the world needs more of. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was super entertaining. I mean, I, I think that's, yeah. it, it reminded me of uh, an improv mm-hmm. exercise or an improv show, right? Where yeah. people just get stuff from the audience and then make the best out of it. And the best out of it is everybody dying. And I think that's uh, metaphorical. <laughs> In very delightful, humorous ways. Right. Yeah. If that's how you're going to go, that's, that's how I'd want to go. There you yes. go. It's got to be a spectacle. Well, and John did a great job, uh, you know, corralling mm-hmm. those uh, personalities at the table, uh, or maybe just ma- letting them shine and not corralling them at yeah. all. Uh, Seth Green was hysterical. He Absolutely. was, he yeah. was funny. Uh, they were all great, um, and so, and we're actually hoping, uh, you know, to come up with ways of doing that more. I mean, that's not going to be the last time that you'll see uh, Faster Purple Worm uh, Kill Kill. Um, <laughs> we did, we did have to fight for that title, though. I will say. Who'd you fight? Or there were some powers that be that were like, yeah, I don't think that's a great title. Un- Can unnamed. we do something a little more uplifting and positive? <laughs> uh, and misleading. Names <laughs> we will not utter here. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I love the reference, right? It's that it's kind of got that uh, 60s yeah. uh, exploitation film uh, <laughs> surf vibe thing going on, which I think is is part of it, right? Like you almost want to have that uh, guitar like playing in the background. Uh, for the <laughs> there you song. go, a little surf yeah. rock. Yeah, picture yeah. like very B movie esque. Like I can just see the poster of like a purple worm and people like <gasps> pose. Right. Yes. Yeah. There you go. We'll be your mm-hmm. cover girls if you want. Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you. We were looking for them. So, yes, <laughs> what you, you offer? We'll take you up. Yeah, just like you know, throw a couple of plushies our way, and we're oh. yours. The written contract <laughs> specifically positioned plushies. Right, right. What, we we whatever. will actually we'll throw plushies at you. We will literally <laughs> yes, yes. That is and how I want. When I, that is the spectacular way I want to go out. Just there you go. <laughs> and, and speaking of throwing plushies, plushies <laughs> the other thing that we're going to do with the plushies that we're super excited about is we are going to bring all those plushies uh, to Gen Con which is going to be our first convention that we're going back to. Oh, my gosh. How exciting. We're going to to actually have plushies to sell and give away and throw at people. Yes, Uh, that is what the people want. That's what they want, and that's what we'll give them. Disinfect (laughs) them first, and then we'll throw throw them. Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll wipe them down and then throw them. (laughs) Wipe them down again and throw them again. But that's exciting. I mean, I know a lot of people are, uh, you know, Interested to see how in-person events will be safe going forward, uh, and I'm, that's a big part of your business model was being yeah. able to go to these events and 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 have that. I mean, because there's nothing better selling a box of tangible items that you can use around the table right. than being able to you know physically touch those tangible items at a convention like that. So right, uh, and also a great way to meet the people who are buying them because you know. When you're selling stuff online, you never really get to see the people. You you know you see them on Twitter, you hear about them, but to be able to see them and meet them and talk to them uh, is uh, is really great. And that's why we're so we're sending Charlie to Gen Con, and then if he comes back, we're all going to go uh, to Game Hole. 
That's not, that's not what we discussed. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine, Charlie. You're the canary, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, first level Charlie's going. <laughs> Purple worms are coming for you. Always send the engineer in first. There you go. <laughs> but then you'll figure out the way to, to engineer to your way it. out of it. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, MacGyver. exactly. You are the right person to go first. Um, Cherry, do you guys have any, what are your favorites, favorite items from the years of making these boxes? Do you have any personal favorites that you, you have loved the most? I still, oh, yeah. I, so I love, I still love the little shot glasses that we made for the Troll Skull Tavern Mm. in Waterdeep, uh, that, uh, you know, we sort of went all in on the on this this tavern that the players could get, which for us harkened back to the days of like building your own keep in D anD D. And so, among other things, we made these little uh, uh, shot glasses. There were originally they were going to be steins. Originally, they were going to be like big. Nice. And then, as we worked, we're like, wait, those won't fit in the box. How are <laughs> we going? Four of them. Like that's <laughs> How are we going to? How are we going to do? And then we then we we found Matt, of course. Matt found these little telescoping <laughs> uh, shot glasses. And we're like, these are genius. So those those are still my favorite. What I love about that is that was the storytelling. I think that you guys said where it was like, oh, when you get your deed to Troll Skill Miner and you you know get it fixed up enough where you're about to open, like this is the celebratory shot that your party <laughs> takes for that first night. And I was like, oh, that feels yeah. that feels right. Yeah. What about you, Charlie? And so that was, yeah, that was, that was fun. That, and again, that was, you know, that's how we, like, that all came out of just us sitting around saying, wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool? Or like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And, you know, and then the combination of the elements and the writing and the story and putting it all together was just a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm partial to maps. Maps are always kind of my favorite thing. That's the engineer ever on behind me. Um, and that's, that's always my favorite thing. I'm a, I'm a, Big fan of of really cool maps and kind of big set piece battles. So that's always my favorite thing in the boxes. They look great. I mean, I think uh, again, the one that I've used the most has been the Waterdeep box, and that mm-hmm. Troll Skull Manor map, as well as the map of Waterdeep. Uh, yeah. I, I had it unrolled on my this table, this exact table for for many months. <laughs> uh, even when I I think my family had went away or something. This is back when travel was, was possible. I think I kept it up the entire time they were gone because I had a few sessions of, of D&D uh, coming. <laughs> I just had it on the table. I ate dinner around it. It was my table <laughs> tablecloth uh, and uh, I, I absolutely loved it and put it up on the wall for when uh, um, folks were coming in to, to play. So I agree with you, Matt. I think the actual physical, tangible maps uh, is, is, one, is one of my favorite parts too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, one other box that I thought was well, I I love them all, but the uh, Van Richten's guide that oh, was yeah with the different covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing, so we again, this is another example of you know we were trying to decide on what cover what we put on the cover of the box, and someone said, well, what if we just make four of them? What if we make just different box covers, and you could choose. And then we were like, well, I don't think we can even do that. And then we said, well, maybe we can do that. I don't know. And then Charlie, who built the website, was like, hey, Charlie, can we do that? And he's like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, 
but so then we then we, as we were trying to decide we had to we were picking symbols and we were trying to narrow it down and we got down to like we there were three that we thought were definitely like we're definitely gonna do this and there was one more that were like eh, i don't know maybe this one maybe that one and so we finally picked uh the fourth image and thought well we'll we'll just try that one out uh and that ended up being the one that that far and away uh outsold all the others the one that we almost didn't pick is the one with the vampire teeth with the rose in the middle. I mean, why oh, we didn't, wow. why we didn't we, think that. Yeah. Every time know. we think we're smart, something like that happens. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> we know what's going on. And then we, we were know totally, our consumers. We know our consumers. Like we know that the, <laughs> like we almost, that we almost picked the only one that we were going to do was the goat head. There's this goat head uh, symbol uh, for folk horror, mm-hmm. uh, which we all loved. We're like, Oh, the goat, we'll do the goat. And then we thought, well, we'll do a couple of others. And people have bought the goat. I'm not saying that no one has bought the goat. Don't diss the goat. I I have the goat. I, I love the, the goat. goat. But um, the the vampire rose um, killed it. Just killed them all. I think this actually proves what I have been saying about our fan base all along. They are vegetarian fans of the Bachelor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you for proving my theory. I'm going to say though, I don't, I don't I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if a vampire quite counts as being a vegetarian. Um I was thinking the goat for some reason. Well, the goat. Like yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, the, I, I yeah you're right, the vampirism. They're like is, with the uh, rose, like if all they ate the, were roses. Right. Sure. The but roses. I think they just use the rose to attract what they're actually going to eat. I do um, think though that that there is a lot of bachelor crossover though, obviously. <laughs> obviously. So. Well, that and that may be our next box. Oh my god, bachelor a bachelor box. box? A bachelor, a bachelor platinum edition. Nice. Whoa. With I don't even know I don't I even can know help. what's going to be. Oh, yeah. Vials of impossible blood. That was that was the first rule of, of Fight Club here. So we don't talk yeah. about bachelor. <laughs> we can't we can't talk about we can't We talk knew about we the, would get a secret out of you. <laughs> edible underwear is not going to be something that No. <laughs> Well, you missed your I, chance. I mean, I, that should have been in the straw <laughs> box, really. Obviously. What oh. happens at Castle Ravenloft stays at oh. Castle Ravenloft. <laughs> this just took a turn. <laughs> oh, we should end it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, great. I'm excited for uh, the, the Wild Beyond the Wishlight box uh, and and getting people to pre-order that as well as what, you know, I know future things you guys are going and I also just want to say, like, I know there was that moment where uh, you guys thought you were smart. You weren't, you know, weren't sure that things were going to 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 sell with that first box. Yeah. And I just want to say, I always believed in you guys. I always knew <laughs> that there would be people who were going to purchase, uh, you know, what you were selling because it was a cool idea. Uh, and D and D fans, I think we mentioned it early on. They they needed something to look forward to even before Mm -hmm. uh, quarantine and things like that. And so you provide that service beyond making the adventure easier to play and and having all these uh, extra items for uh, enhancing that around the table play. So, uh, you know, here's to your success and I hope it, you know, continues and we get even more fun boxes with other brands. More plushies. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on it. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, thank you for the support. I wish, you know, I'm glad that we listened to you all those years ago. (laughs) And I have pictures of Matt pitching this exact thing on a street corner in Seattle to Nathan Stewart 
Uh, so I feel like I want to I want to send those to you guys and have them be like oh, framed or something so that you have the yeah. moment when Beetle work them into the next box that's like the first dollar that you frame that's the right the first here was pitch. the moment yeah I, that was the moment Greg you you must have known it was going to be something special back then if you're actually taking photos <laughs> yeah of the well, happening. I mean that, that's the craziness of Matt too because he was like I think I'm gonna go do it I'm gonna do it right now I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, this was a spontaneous decision to pitch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We 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 were firmly against it. <laughs> oh yeah, we all said no, don't. Like we no, we, don't. Kind of, we, we haven't worked it out. I mean, we're all well, most of us are other than Matt. It's like fairly meticulous people. It's like no, 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 no. But what if he says this? What's our counter to that? What's our plan? And then Matt was like, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go look for that picture right now, and I'll show you the oh moment. Because uh, yeah. I, I watched it happen, and it was it was glorious. And then yeah, here we, we are. We all watched later. it. We just thought, oh, my goodness. It's happening. <laughs> it happened. So he rolled the That's dice amazing. and maybe got a 20. Yep. That's yep. it. And you, you know what? Crit. You, yep. You, you, gotta, you, know, you, make a, you can't make a shot unless you take a shot. So. Right? Yeah. I think Michael advice. Scott said that first. <laughs> <laughs> all right well here's to you guys i'm gonna take a shot out of my uh shot yes. glasses from hey, Trolls yeah. shots. hey cheers and uh cheers. we'll Huzzah. talk again soon yes thank you guys this is great oh you're the best you. thank you to peter and grims i enjoyed those boys very much boys <laughs> it rhymed so i went with it i think I i've also enjoyed. heard uh, Matthew Lillier referred to uh, you know Bill Rayhor and Charlie Rayhor as the Rayhor boys in the past. So, oh, that's that cute. was on the tip of my tongue. That is probably just. Well, no, he didn't know them when they were children. I was going to say that's like, you know, we have twin girls that live two houses down that we're good friends with. <laughs> From The Shining, <laughs> they live in a hotel. Um, just a few doors down. We always call them the girls. Yeah. And I just feel like even when they're 35 years old, they're going to be like, oh, it's the girls. Hi, girls. Oh, because I'm going to be that mom. Hi, yep. girls. Hello, girls. Remember when you used to come over and jump on our bounce house? You know what's so funny is I, well, there's also twins who live a few doors down from me, but they're fraternal twins, a boy and a girl. And we just refer to them as the twins. Yeah, I'm sure they love that. Yeah. It's a really great like, way to form your own identity. Right, and even the even my daughters, who I also refer to as the girls, so I guess oh, yeah. we're all we're all bad at this. But uh, they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna go knock on the twins' house," or like, "Let's go see if the twins can play." <laughs> it's never one or the other; it is them, uh, you know, collectively. Right, and if they were not twins, if they were just like Kelly and Brian, then they would say, "We're going to Kelly and Brian's house." They would right. not just say the brother and sister, the siblings. They would, yeah. Sorry. There's a lot yeah. of cool things about being twins, but you're we, just going to have to get used to that one. We have never interviewed twins. We should get some D&D playing twins. Yeah. I think I actually know. Uh, I, 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 yeah. So maybe wheels are turning in my head. I don't want to say have, anything now. but Have they ever tricked their dungeon master and pretended to be each other's? <laughs> <laughs> That seems cruel. Is that an urban legend or do twins ever really do that? Do they do well, that? See, that? These are the type of things we need to ask about. About tricking the babysitter or the teacher. Yeah. I guess we have actually spoke to twins before. We spoke to Liam O'Brien and Laura Bailey, uh, who played oh. twins on Critical Role. Yeah. So there you go. Kind of. 
So, uh, really quick. My, like, not really. That, that's not real. I have a, a bro- an older brother, and he had a fake ID, um, and it was really oh, good. You're outing him now? Yeah. Yeah, I am. So, anyway, he had lots of friends that worked um, in bars, or it, we used to go to hockey games a lot, and the people who worked at concession stands were, like, his friends, you know. Yeah. So, he would just, like, w- wave his fake ID around, and... Um, he told everybody that I was his twin sister. And so they were like, oh, cool. And they just served me too. Nice. They just figured like, he wouldn't lie. Like, this is his twin. They're obviously the same age. So he was essentially my my fake ID. Oh. Yeah. That's great. And it trickles down for twins. I didn't know I, that. Yeah. I actually thought that was very, very clever. Nice. Anyway. Yeah. I, now let's go uh, advocate for fake IDs for all twins going forward. I do not advocate for fake IDs. <laughs> if there are children listening, you wait until you're 21, or and and then maybe even then don't right don't drink. Don't be like us. <laughs> don't. You'll end up like us. It's Friday afternoon. It's time. Woo! It's time, Shelley. And it's a long weekend coming up, and it's the first three days of school, and we're just all tired and punchy and. Oh, it is a long week. You know what? I thought about that early in the week, and I didn't think about it until, that, until just now. So that means oh. we have another day on our deadline, doesn't it? I don't know. I mean, we said Monday. <laughs> I'm such a We're writing I don't a know book, if you've realized you this yet. may have heard, but we are going to be turning it in very soon. And it First is, draft, uh, baby! It's, it's, we got an entire file together. It's very exciting. It's, I know. When you see it laid out like a like a book, it's kind of exciting, isn't it? It is. When you see that, I mean, almost, I'm not going to do this, but I kind of like, I just want to like print it. <laughs> just, just to print like it out and be like, stack like, of papers. I know, right? But, Let's do it with like, you know, 16 point font too, so it looks really big. And, and tiny, like tiny stack. margins. Well, look <laughs> at what we've written about. We're so good. I mean, it could have been that big just because we've had so many wonderful interviews that that's, it was definitely not a problem to, to find material to write about. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and I think this is the first book that I've written that isn't an RPG book. And so that was always turned in very differently, right? You didn't turn in the entire manuscript for that because it had to go to layout and all that to really turn into a real book. Um, so yeah, being able to turn over, this is my first time doing like a big one glommed file of just words. No, it's really exciting. And then wait until it comes back like in its little galley form. And it yeah. actually has like page numbers and stuff. And there's like nothing but red pen on it from our editor who's like, I yeah. hate you guys. You do suck. over, do over, do over. <laughs> do over. <laughs> <laughs> no actual comments, just like, no, try again. <laughs> Still just be so tired of writing the actual comments. So just going to be, <laughs> I roll, I roll. Sucks. Uh, do better. <laughs> do better. Critical write, write fail. Right. good. <laughs> <laughs> <Write> good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shouldn't put that out to the universe, Greg. I know. That's our <laughs> self-deprecating nature of like, if we make fun of ourselves first, no one else will. Then it won't hurt as bad when other people do. But I I think it's good. I, I got to be too. honest. I secretly do, too. I'm pretty proud of us. So I can't wait for you all to read it. Uh, it'll be, uh, you know... Several months, if not a you know uh, a next year. year, it'll be a year uh, <laughs> before you can before you can actually read it. But we are excited, uh, and you know, it's all due to you guys listening. Yes, thank you. 
So, in that case, you can follow us. Uh, I am at Greg Tito on the Twitters. Where are you, Shelly Moo? I'm at the Shelly Moo. Oh, no, no, not the Shelly <laughs> Moo. <laughs> you just confused me. <laughs> I'm Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, I forgot to mention this. I don't know if we've talked about this, but if when you do get your copy of The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, yeah. look for Shelly Moo. I think you have mentioned that, and I'm excited to look for it. Okay, good. Because I, I, I'll be skimming. I was flipping through the PDF yesterday because um, sometimes I just like I need to just take a break, and I just like to read that book for some reason because it's actually amazing. Yeah. And I came across the Shelley Moo part like totally innocently. Aww. I'm like, snail racist? Whoa, whoa, oh my god! Oh my god! Is it here? And then pff, there, I saw nice. it. I saw it in print, and it just made me feel so special. I'm I'm gonna choose to believe that, but I also could believe that you just got that and immediately did control. Did a F. search, <laughs> Shelly Moo, <laughs> oh, and no. then crafted this whole narrative that you were happened to be reading. Oh my god, it. I just happened to be reading the Wild Bill and the Witchlight, and like <laughs> it was so weird. Coincidentally, there's a snail named Shelly Moo, and I was like, oh, Chris Perkins, you know, um, my friend Chris Perkins. I just was like, hey, by the way, such a weird coincidence. That's my handle on social. And he was like, oh, I named that lovely pink snail after you. That lovely pink snail. I don't know if he said exactly that. I'm kind of paraphrasing. (laughs) But but Shelly Moo is a lovely pink snail. (laughs) As are you. Thank you. They all have different... Well, the snails are... Because, you know, when they're racing, you have yeah. to know who you're rooting for, blue or green or whatever. Shelly moves the pink one, That's which awesome. I also don't think was an accident. I don't think so either. I mean, pink. you wear pink like never. <laughs> so it's clearly not coincidental. You're looking, you're talking about my heart, okay? my <laughs> cold black little heart. Well, I, I mean, you're, you're not quite as uh, black heavy pink. as Liz Shu is, for example. But, I mean, you know, you, you wear a lot of black. It should have been a black snail. <laughs> a lovely black snail. I think he was maybe thinking about my aura. Uh, right. Like the bright, lovely pink. The pink nerds uh, character, for example, right? You are yes. certainly curious. I am curious. And yeah. I hope you're all curious too when you get your copies and you also vote for or put your money on pink snail Shelly Moo. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the line from Passenger Fifty Seven. Always bet on pink. Always bet on pink. And it's, yeah. I mean Shelly Moo's really actually a great name for a snail. It's perfect. It is it's absolutely perfect. Oh. Uh, so look for that. September 21st is when The Wild Beyond the Witchlight will be in your hands, potentially. Follow along on our social media for Dungeons & Dragons stuff is wizards underscore DND at Twitter, uh, Instagram. There's a page on Facebook you can like. You can also go to our YouTube channel, as we said, uh, to watch amazing D&D content, including videos with Chris Perkins talking about The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and episodes of Dragon Talk interviews and segments and whatnot. Uh, if you want to find out more information, you can always go to uh, downloading Dragon Plus to your phone on Android or iOS. That content is also available at dragonmag.com. And sign up for our newsletter as well to get 
D&D news delivered directly to your inbox uh, with some fun previews happening in there as well. Lots of good stuff. Yes. 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 Do Who all doesn't those like things. to get mail from Dungeons and Dragons? Right? It just makes you happy when you get that mail. Snail. Rhymes mm. with mail. Did I mention there's a snail <laughs> named Shelly Moon? <laughs> um, I have to get this podcast in the pail. Uh, and let's talk about what's happening with Drunky Two Shoes. So oh. you have been traveling through the streets of Waterdeep. Uh, in order to get to a location that Laryl Silverhand told you was riddled with doppelgangers, uh, according to her informants. Uh, and after some altercation with the watchful order of magists and protectors, uh, in which I believe you did some rude finger gestures to as you sped off. Is I don't that know that it. I don't think so. No, okay. It's just in my did head. Did I? Then. Maybe it's just the visual I have in my head of uh, yeah. your minor illusion. It was a minor oh, illusion you did, right? I did some. I did say something like, I think I called them suckers or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was Maybe. awesome. Uh, but you did end up getting back on the wagon with Daryl Two Shoes. Drunky Two Shoes has uh, never been Sam on the wagon. Sleep. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, and uh, Daryl's just like, what was that all about? Why, how did, why did you fall off? And I just raised my my flask. <laughs> you took the corner too sharp, buddy. Also, what's this deal about I, magic users registering? What what what's 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 up with this weird town? Samson says, uh, "Yes, all those who can cast magic should register with the Watchful Order. Uh, oh. It's very important. There used to be uh, all kinds of chaos in this city before." That order was instituted. The watchful order of mages and protectors make sure that all magic users are thinking about the greater good uh, when casting such magics and must come to defend the city when there is attacks. Um, did you guys not see me almost get arrested? <laughs> you almost got arrested. Well, I, they, I, it seems yeah. as if you were able to escape. Obvi, but... Let's try to keep an eye on each other, okay? Why don't we, uh, and Daryl says, uh, why don't we try and like keep a low profile as we're trying to complete this mission? Drunky, okay. that means no more signs. We're I staying. look at, at Daryl and I do um, the minor illusion again, but I like turn my face into like a clown and then I'm back to being a cat. And now I'm a, a dog and then I'm back <laughs> to a cat. Just because he used to really love that game when we were litter mates. Look at me, look at me. No, oh, oh, oh. He is not as amused uh, right now. Fine. Uh, just, come on, we got to get serious. We don't know what we're walking into. Okay. These uh, doppelgangers, like, they can be really dangerous. Didn't they just attack us like an hour ago? Yeah. All right. I'm fine. I'm so serious. sober up. Okay. Snap out. <laughs> Drink some coffee. <laughs> uh, and uh, after the course of this, uh, um, conversation, you do make your way uh, to the south ward uh, of the city. Um, you know, the driver is going pretty fast, but he's getting you there without any further incident. Uh, and he said, all right, we're coming up on the garrulous grocer. This is where you wanted, right? Yep. Should I, uh, should I pull right up in front? Yes. Are you, all right. Can you wait for us? Wait for you? Yeah. What if we need a getaway? Well, that'll cost you. 
How much? He thinks for a moment and says, uh, uh, how much you got? No, we're good. 25 gold pieces. (laughs) Okay. Got to go. Thanks for the ride, though. All right. Well, and did you, do you pay him uh, for the ride? Of course. All right. No tip? I throw, I throw a coin in his direction. There you go. Thank Uh, you. To Bagsy. And he, uh, Goes off with a smile on his face. He's, you know, he's just. Uh, uh, he thought I was funny, right? He liked. Yeah. Okay, good. He thought you were funny. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, you're in front of a, um, a tall <laughs> building with a courtyard, and the population uh, around here is, you know, still very humanoid. But you do see a larger concentration of shorter individuals, uh, whether they be gnomes or halflings. Um, they uh, are congregating here and you see lots of um, people coming in with uh, empty bags and coming out with uh, larger sacks filled with what looks like grain or fresh vegetables. Uh, uh, In some cases, um, crates of packaged goods. Seems to be pretty busy. Um, Again, people going in and out. There's not like a line or anything, but it, it is... Uh, a bustling place. You hear lots of laughter and uh, merriment coming from uh, not just this grocery, but kind of around here in this area. You're not so, quite close to the sea ward, uh, but it is a lot more, uh, a lot more peasants, I guess you could say, not less noble than you were in the north ward or near the Castle Waterdeep. So, Daryl, what what are we supposed to do here? I don't know. I check uh, my amulet. Does my amulet do anything? Um, so you're still outside, right? So you're just looking around that people are going in and out and, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are going in and out do appear to, uh, they don't detect as, okay. um, anything other than they appear to be. So there's apparently some doppelgangers around here. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if they're hidden or if we are in danger if we just go walk inside? What, what do you think we should do? I mean, I guess let's go inside. Samson's still with us too, right? Yeah. Yeah, the three of you are standing there on the on the street. Okay. Let's go inside. Okay. Uh, so you walk inside and you see uh, rows and rows of uh, goods um, organized behind the counter. Uh, it's different than like a, it's not like a shop per se where you can pick up goods and then go and check out. It's more like a, you go to the counter and tell them what you want and they go and get it for you. Um, so there's a few uh, halflings, uh, one gnome um, waiting to be served. You see a sign that says, uh, take a number. Uh, and there's little uh, scripts, uh, uh, tiles in um, wood that have, uh, hooks on them uh, or that have holes on them that have you know kind of hangs up there so you can take a number uh, and you see a, a woman halfling uh, you call out all right number 42 my amulet do anything your amulet um doesn't do anything at first. Most people seem to be on the up and up. Uh, but as the woman is taking number 42's order, um, a halfling comes up from behind the, you know, kind of the storeroom area 
and uh, comes up, whispers something to the woman, uh, and then goes back uh, into the storeroom. And your amulet, at first, it's kind of strange because of the size difference, but you almost—it's like—it's almost like looking at a three D picture or a magic cart, you know, those magic posters mm-hmm. where you can see transposed on top of them a taller humanoid that looks strange. Okay. Daryl, Daryl, that one. That, that one. That just went back okay. in the storeroom. Let's go. They went back in the storeroom. Yeah. Okay. Let's just well, they, go. They must have a hidden uh, enclave back there. Let's go. You, you just want to jump the counter? No. Uh, let's go outside and see if there's a door into the storeroom from outside. Okay, good idea. Let's pretend that we're like delivery people. Oh, good. All right. Do you want to put on a disguise? Yes, I can put on. I look around um, and see like what what brands of uh, foods they they seem to offer in this shop. And then, can I use minor illusion to create a, like a delivery costume that says like George's breads? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, and they've got they've got fresh vegetables, grain. Um, and uh, a few other, you know, uh, processed goods like flour and things like that. Um, so, which one? What, what do you want the minor illusion to look like? Um, am I able to give um, Daryl also the same thing, or is it just me? It's a five foot uh, square, um, yeah. and and th- there won't be any. It's it's not like you can. You're, it, it's a costume, so you'd have to do something different. You'd have to. Uh, I don't think minor illusion. Minor illusion kind of, kind of creates like an illusionary yeah. object. It doesn't necessarily transpose onto you. Okay. Um, so I can create a small chest. So maybe I can create a box that looks like I'm carrying some bread products. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. So we'll go out. We'll go outside and see if we can come in through the back. Is there like right. a sign that says deliveries in the back or something? There is, in fact. Yeah. So you go into the back and it does say delivery entrance, and you do see, uh, you know, kind of the storeroom there with some things, and there's a, uh, a halfling guard waiting there. The amulet doing anything? Uh, no. It looks like a halfling guard uh, with your halfling amulet, but he says, Oh, hold on. Who are you? Three delivery people? Hello. Yes, we're from George's Bread. We have a large delivery for you. I thought, yes, I, I thought it was strange too that, that you, you had to reorder so much, but we have some delicious bread products. So I just brought my two assistants to help carry them in because I'm very busy. I'm very busy on my route and I need um, more help. May we just bring these in for it and just set them down and, and then we'll be off on our way. Uh, he looks at you and he kind of narrows his eyes a little bit. Roll me a deception check. Damn it. The bread looks beautiful, by the way. Can I also create smell with my minor illusion? Uh, I, 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 yes, you can. I rolled a three. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so he looks at you and he says, George's bread, that's, there's no such place. And why are you? Why does it look like you're holding a crate that doesn't have anything in it? Oh, 
Oh. We'll pick it back up there next oh. time. Oh. certainly <laughs> questioning the ease at which you're holding this crate. You know, your your deception check made you seem that you didn't... Uh, uh, I, I didn't you, think about actually that part. All right, Why then. Why don't I just let Daryl do the talking? Because <laughs> then that's me... Being the DM, trying to I know, and then the I DM. could just listen to you play D and D, like like just like a little audio, like a like <laughs> a like listening to the stories on the radio. Hmm. Well, we did have someone on Twitter say that you should start DMing here, so I'm ready whenever you want. You want to run Drunky as the DM, and I'll run Daryl. I'm ready to flip the script whenever you want. I forgot to tell you something. What? I we. Quinn really, he wants to play D&D. Yeah. And so, and my theory is proving correct with him. He's like, I'm the dungeon master. I'm the dungeon master. I'm like, okay, yeah. sure. But we decided that his bed, bedtime story could be like telling, telling a story. And nice. he, so I realized as he was like, I was helping him be the dungeon master. And I was surprised at how much I actually knew. See? So I do think it might be a case of if I just go ahead and practice and try, I bet I will be surprised that I know more than I'm giving myself credit for. We right? have done, we have accomplished something over I, the course that's of huge. six years of doing this podcast. But that really is big. I think all of this advice that I've heard and, and all these dungeon masters that I've gotten to talk to, I'm like, some of it is just like, common sense but and also some of it is who cares if it's uh athletics and it should have been acrobatics right you're not gonna break the game it's fine yeah absolutely right? it just gives a semblance of there being some risk what's it yeah okay so that's my that was my breakthrough and then uh, not today obviously but another time i do want to talk to you about my brilliant idea on how i could have an entire class play dungeons and dragons together nice <laughs> Okay. Thank well, you. let's do it. I don't know if all this will get in here, but I love every second of it. And high five to you, Shelley. High five. You did it. Bye. Bye. Bye.